0: uh, It is my honor and it is my privilege to be able to introduce Ms. Pettit as the encounter speaker for today. As you may already know, this is Ms. Pettit's last month as a member of the teaching faculty at Southwest. And while she'll still remain a part of the Southwest community, she's in transition as the director of marketing and will be on campus a bit less. So I'm glad that she has the opportunity to share an encounter, both because she can address the community as a teacher for a final time and because we're fortunate enough to be in the room to hear it. But Ms. Pettit changing roles is hard for me for two reasons. The first is that Ms. Pettit has had a tremendous role in helping me grow and develop as a teacher. We joined the Southwest teaching faculty the same year and we shared an office for the first three and a half years. The difference though is that while I was fresh out of college with no real world, real world experience, Ms. Pettit was already an established high quality teacher that knew what it meant to teach at a place like Southwest. Throughout the following five years that we've worked together, Ms. Pettit has been an incredible professional mentor to me. She has freely and eagerly answered my questions, offered me wisdom and provided me with helpful perspective. I know that any success that I may experience during my time as an educator has at least some roots that lead back to Ms. Pettit. The second reason though, that Ms. Pettit changing roles is hard news for me is because in addition to being a professional mentor, Ms. Pettit has also become a close and dear friend. We often joke that she's sort of become like a mom to me. And in fact, Ms. Pettit has actually become friends with my mom. Through our friendship, her character and qualities have blessed me and my family in deep and profound ways. My house has various books, children's books, and even Christmas tree ornaments throughout it that stand as artifacts of Miss Pettit's generosity and thoughtfulness. She's quick to celebrate the successes and milestones of friends, a marriage, the birth of my two children, and a completed master's degree in my case since I've known her. And she's one of the first people I'll go to with news knowing I'll get an enthusiastic and genuine response. Miss Pettit is quick-witted and can take a joke just as well as she can dish it out, and she can dish it out. She has a compassionate heart and has walked with me through painful, challenging moments and has challenged and corrected me when I've needed it. She's not afraid to do what's best for those around her and graciously push them towards growth, excellent, excellence, and ultimately Christ. My life is a testament to the fact that it's good for you when Miss Pettit shares some of her heart and wisdom. And my life is different and better because of her presence in it. She's exactly the sort of person you'd hope to hear from at an encounter message. And again, I'm glad that you get to today. So please give me a hand in bringing Miss Pettit up to the stage.
1: Mr. Burka, I should have made a requirement that you not make me choked up right before I have to go speak to people. Having a bad day as it is, I have a terrible toothache and I'm taking pain medicine. So I'm like in that middle zone between how much pain can I take and how loopy does the medicine make me? So I apologize if I say um. More often than I wish. Thank you very much, uh, Matt. He is one of my dearest friends, and he is the father of my work grandchildren, and so I love them and I love him. Um, all right, so we are just going to get started. Oh, this works. Last time I did this, it didn't work. How oh, fantastic. Okay. So we're gonna be talking about change. And I thought to warm you up, I'd ask you to think about where you are on a continuum. You know, we always like those little, um, you know, quizzes that they have online, that kind of thing. So seniors, college-bound seniors, where would you place yourself on this continuum? In the orange box, a little bit in the orange box, in the blue box, where would you find yourself? some of you like really know you really do have to bring your own towels you do you have to bring your own stuff all right juniors now I have to admit I could probably do this for you I'm going down my class list but where do you fall on the continuum as you're thinking about changes going into your senior year where do you fall uh, between these two things? Are you more on the squared away or some people might say uptight? We know that that's not true. It's just those of us who are squared away, right? Um, or would you find yourself more on the go with the flow side? You're like, nah, it's all going to work out. Usually does. I put freshmen and sophomores um, together because I thought a lot of the the changes that you guys tend to face tend to be pretty similar between uh, fre- the end of freshman and and uh, the end of sophomore year. So where do you guys fall on here? I do think that math should be a foreign language. Don't tell any math people, but I do, right? They, they, they have all these weird words and definitions, that kind of stuff, totally should be. All right, so we've talked about, you've been thinking now about seasons of change. What comes next for each one of you? And we're going to talk about, in particular, in seasons of change and seasons of pain, how do we feel strong and courageous through God? We might know that we have these promises of God, but how do we really feel them? How do they go from from our heads and really become part of our heart? Do you have changes on your horizon Some of you are aware of these changes, and some of you are not. Last Wednesday, I was on my way home from from work kind of late, and my mom called, and she said, Annabeth, your dad is fine, but he's in the hospital. Right, like that's super tough news. That kind of out of the blue change is a really hard thing for us to process, but that's typically, for, for, for some types of change, That is how those happen. Your parents sit you down and give you some some tough news. Do you have pain in your present? I know uh, some of you in this audience fairly well, and I know that you have some real heartache, some real pain that you are enduring. What does God have to say uh, to us in that? I am certainly in a significant season of change like Mr. Burka said about about changing my jobs that's a hard one. But here's the thing as much as I love being an English teacher and I love being an English teacher my very favorite job of all jobs I've ever had is just being a mom. I was a stay-at-home mom for the first 12 years of my oldest son's life and and now like that season of being kind of the hands-on mom I mean I'll always be their mom but but being hands-on with them is really over my son Robbie is is ending his freshman year and COVID has been a little bit different this year they've been home a little more than I expected but still like he's gonna go to Spain for the summer and work there like they're gone my daughter is graduating uh, from college in next week I guess already that's crazy my oldest son, um, he has graduated from college. He's heading to ranger school in about a month. And he and his uh, lovely wife, who's pictured here with him, they're going to be stationed in Hawaii, which is a great place to visit, but it's far, and the time change makes it tricky to have conversations at, at convenient times. There's a lot of change going on in my life. Like I mentioned, my dad is, is, had a health scare last week. There are are things going on in my parents' life, and I'm really close with my parents. I'm an only child, I'm I'm really connected with them, and I just think these are hard changes going on. And then the biggest one is um, in February of last year, so right before COVID, my husband took a great job um, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and uh, that's about four and a half, five hours away from here. We weren't sure if he would really like it or if he would do really well in it, but he has really liked it and he has done really well, and now it's time for me to go and, and move there and, and for us to be, um, you know, a family and for us to be together. So I have to leave my teaching job, which is really part of my identity and it's part of my love, and, and I'm excited to move into this marketing communications job. I, I think that's that's thrilling, but it's hard to move. I don't want to move. In fact, you would think that I, above all people, would really like moving. These orange Xs are all the states that I have lived in in the course of my life. The one in Wisconsin is yellow because I haven't actually lived there yet, but we have closed on our house. We, ha- we have a house there, and New York has two because I lived there in elementary school and then again in high school, and both of those periods of time felt very different that experience of moving really felt like a legitimate move. And so you look at all these states and you think, oh, she, she must be good at, at moving. Like, she's figured this thing out. Well, you would be wrong. Actually, I get hives whenever we move. I don't know if it's the smell of moving boxes or just the process of, of, of having, like, movers come in and out and packers and that kind of thing, but I actually get hives on my arms and legs every time I move. It's like my body is saying, oh, no, this is bad. This is a terrible thing. Um, I I feel like uh, each move is this huge loss for me. Now, that's not to say it's not a gain. As I look at this list, I think, well, each of these places has been a beautiful opportunity, and God has always provided exactly what I need. He's provided great opportunities and great friends, but not without hardship and not without heartache. The beginning of every move is always really challenging um, for me, and my body kind of goes into this defensive mode, and and I don't want to do it. But God has promised himself faithful, and I want to talk to you about ways that I think we can find hope and encouragement and peace and strength as we face seasons of change and as we face pain that is in our lives right now. So this is the section, I'm going to pull a couple verses um, out from this. When I pull the verses, I'm going to pull them in the NIV, because that's usually what we study in school, either the NIV or the ESV version, but I like the message for just reading. I think it's more conversational. So I'm going to read this to you, and then we're going to dig into a few lessons and a few ideas we might get from this. So after the death of Moses, the servant of God, God spoke to Joshua. Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant is dead. Get going. Cross this Jordan River, you and all the people. Cross to the country I'm giving to the people of Israel. I'm giving you every square inch of the land you set your foot on, just as I promised Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon east to the great river, the Euphrates River, all the Hittite country, and then west to the great sea. It's all yours, all your life. No one will be able to hold out against you. In the same way I was with Moses, I will be with you. I won't give up on you. I won't leave you. Strength, courage, you are going to lead this people to inherit the land I promised to give to their ancestors. Give it everything you have, heart and soul. Make sure you carry out the revelation that Moses commanded you, every bit of it. Don't get off track either to the left or the right so as to make sure you get to where you're going. And don't for a minute let this book of the Revelation be out of your mind. Ponder and meditate on it day and night, making sure you practice everything written in it. Then you'll get where you're going. Then you'll succeed. Haven't I commanded you? Strength, courage. Don't be timid. Don't get discouraged. God, your God is with you. Every step you take. So as you are looking at pains and changes that are going on in your life, here's what God has to say. He tells Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Well, if you were listening closely, you know that Joshua had been Moses' assistant. Joshua knew Moses was dead. He was probably with him as he died. This is not news to Moses, so why does God repeat it? I think God is saying this season of your life is over. It's done. Now we're going to move into the next season of life. And frankly, I think Moses was terrified. I think that because three times God tells Mo- uh, God tells Joshua um, that he should be strong and courageous. I think Joshua did not want to move into this season of life. If you look at the book of Numbers in the Old Testament, you see that Joshua is often the one with the sword. He's the infantry officer on the front line. He is a soldier. I don't think most soldiers love being a politician. And that is what God is calling Joshua to do. Go be a politician. And I think Joshua is just recoiling from this command. This is something he desperately does not want to do. And God says, go do it. Come on, you can do it. Go. I feel that way, right, with me, with my move, like God is saying, come on, it's okay, go. Go do this thing, even though you don't want to. Why don't I want to move? I have moved a lot of times. I kind of know this pattern. Why don't I want to? Because it's unknown, and the unknown is scary. Will I be liked? Will I make friends? Will I be successful? Do I have what it takes? I think in these verses, one of the things that I see in them is God saying, Those are kind of the wrong questions. It's not, do I have what it takes? The real question is, does God have what I need? And if we say yes, that he does have what we need, then how can we really receive deep in our hearts strength, courage, and peace from his promises? Is God enough? Well, this is a question actually you need to wrestle with. That is probably a big part of why God sent you to Christian school. This is not a school necessarily for people who have got that answer down. We want you to ask that question. That's why we structure our Bible classes the way we do. We want you to wrestle with that answer. Is God your God? Do you believe? If you believe then the rest of what I'm going to say is available to you. But that is the first and foremost question. Where are you with God? He has some amazing promises, but they are for people who are in him. And we're going to talk about how we can really receive that in a minute. So for those of us who who know Christ and have accepted him and we are believers, we often hear his promises, but we wonder, how does that become real in my life? And so that's what we're going to talk about. In seasons of change and pain, how do we feel his strength and his courage? The first thing is we have to know his promises. Here, God is speaking to Joshua and telling him exactly what God wants him to do. God speaks words of comfort and courage, but I think you notice he uses warrior words. Look for the word in there, strong, courageous, presence. Those are warrior words. Those are words that are going to speak to Joshua's heart as a soldier. Not every promise in the Bible is for us. You guys know that from Bible class. But the big ones, including God's presence and love and peace and strength, encourage those big ones, those are for all of us. Those are for all of us as believers. This confidence is how we thrive in change. God says this, as I was with Moses, it's a dependent clause, right? It, it, these, these ideas flow one to the other. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And then notice, this is not a period at the end of the sentence. It's a semicolon. These two ideas are inextricably linked. I will never leave you nor forsake you. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. I hope that message sits on your heart and makes you think, that is a great promise. Uh, If you are in a season of change or a season of any kind of transition in your life, or even a season of pain, being able to rely on that idea that God is with us and he will never forsake us, that should feel like something really amazing and powerful. So how do we have peace in change? I think the first thing is to follow the path. Remember when I said that the problem is we ask our questions focused on ourselves. Do I have what it takes? Am I going to be liked? And the only way to succeed is to turn our focus on to God. Does he have what he needs? His reply is yes. Stick to what I've given you. I have made a path for you. And you will succeed in those crucial areas. He says this, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. When I read that, I thought about um, this idea of land navigation, My oldest son is headed to ranger school next month and I was thinking he was talking about some of the preparations that he's been doing and the first one um, is land navigation and you have to pass this to be kind of accepted into ranger school so I'll talk to you about that and then we'll talk about coping with pain so that's a little bit of our structure here so you can kind of follow where we're going so ranger school Ranger school is one of the toughest training courses that a soldier can volunteer for. Here's what the army says. Army rangers are experts in leading soldiers on difficult missions. And to do this, they need rigorous training. For more than two months, ranger students train to exhaustion, pushing the limits of their minds and bodies. Oh, yes, there is a reason my son is nervous about going to ranger school. Second The purpose of Army's Ranger course is to prepare these volunteers, officers, and enlisted soldiers in combat arms related functional skills. Combat arms is you are the people on the front lines shooting the guns, driving the tanks, you are right there in front. That's what combat arms really means. The Ranger's primary mission is to engage in close combat and direct fire battles. Gotta tell you, as this kid's mom, I am not excited about him being in close combat or direct fire battles. But that is what Ranger School will train him to do. The purpose of Ranger School is uh, to develop these skills so that they can perform effectively as small unit leaders in realistic tactical environments under mental and physical duress, approaches that are found in actual combat. I asked Jake, so, so can you just like describe in a nutshell what ranger school is? And he said, it's so that if I either get sent or trapped behind enemy lines and I either have to complete a mission or I have to make it to the drop zone, I can do that without dying. Excellent. And then my dad said during, so my dad also went to ranger school back in the 60s. And he said that when he was in combat in Vietnam and things were terrifying and things were miserable, he would just think, well, at least it's not as miserable as ranger school. It was more scary, but at least he wasn't hungry all the time. Great. So this is a, uh, a picture of um, ranger school. There we go. Um, and you can see in here Pretty miserable, especially when you think about the other part, which is like, I have to do this for months at a time, and I have to do it on very little sleep and um, very, uh, you know, like an empty belly. They do allow women in ranger school. There have been about eight who have um, graduated. Yes, you shave your head. That's because ranger school occurs in the mountains of Georgia and worse, the Florida swamps, and you don't want to deal with creepy crawlies in your hair. So the women uh, do shave their heads. To enter, to get the privilege to go to this misery, um, you have to pass something called land navigation. And so I'm going to talk to you about what that is. I was looking for um, something to show you, and I came across this, uh, this slide, and I thought, this is perfect. It's such a good example of what land navigation is. So here's what happens. For all of you who need your GPS to get to your best friend's house, imagine you have a compass, so a compass just tells you like which direction is north and which direction is east, right, you kind of swivel it around and you can follow it, and a map, and it's not even a very good map, it's not even a topographic map, it doesn't necessarily tell you like the ups and downs, it just sort of shows you the region, and you are told get from here to there, and there is always like someplace you can't see. It would be a little bit in terms of distance like, Get from, Ch- from here at school in Chaska, get to Miller Park in Eden Prairie. You can't go on any of the roads, so that's out, okay? Figure out how to get there. No GPS, only a map, only a compass. Hard to do, right? So if you fail, you immediately fail at a ranger school. You don't get the privilege of being in the dirt and dust and all that. Um, You have to, to be able to get there, stay true to the right path. You are in dire peril if you leave it. And if you're behind enemy lines, you very well could die. Here's the thing, as we kind of apply this to ourselves as Christ followers, you do realize you are behind enemy lines, right? The Bible says that the devil hates you. He is like a lion, Prowling the world looking for people to destroy. And that's not just if you're a Christ follower either. He hates all people. C.S. Lewis says in the screw tape letters that, that Satan sees us as cattle who can finally become demons' food. He wants to destroy you. He hates all of us, Christians and non Christians alike, because we all bear the image of God. And he hates the image of God. He hates God himself. So, where are we? We are Christ followers who are headed into a life of blessing and pain, joy and heartache, and we are behind enemy lines. So, next, our step two, you can see on there, is we have to plan our route. How do we know our route? Well, it says in the book of Joshua, our route is follow the rules carefully, don't stray to the right or to the left, go, go straight. And that's actually true in land navigation as well. If you have a big obstacle, you cannot go around the obstacle, you'll lose sight of where it is you're supposed to go. You have to go over the obstacle or under the obstacle or through the obstacle, you cannot go around it. We have obstacles in our lives, and God is saying, this is the path. It's through the obstacle. That's how you get there. Um, So how do we know that? We know it from the word of God. We pay attention. We go to church. We refresh ourselves for it. Um, As we are planning our route, one of the things that the rangers do, um, they're usually given their route in the daytime and then they're given like a whole night to get to their destination because it's obviously more common in the military to do your maneuvers at night than during the day because it's safer, right? So they will memorize that map. They'll memorize the route during the day because when it gets dark, you can't see your map And you very well may fail if you turn on any kind of light to shine it onto the map. So you have to know it, right? Can you see the connection? Can you see the connection to our faith? Sure, because we hit points in our life that are dark. We have to know the word of God. We have to stay on the route. And I talked to you about don't veer from the obstacles. Don't turn to the right or the left or you might miss your target. And lastly we make the objective. That's it. We made it. So in some ways in the Christian faith, our objective is to get to heaven, having lived a life that blessed other people, having lived a life of service and obedience and and a beautiful, successful life, right? But we have intermediary steps along the way. We have these small objectives. so for for me and maybe for some of you who are moving uh, going to college or something, our immediate objective is to uh, make friends and find our new our new um, home and kind of get settled. Maybe that's our next objective. For some of you, your objective is much sooner than that. Your objective is you have an AP exam next week or the week after. That's your objective. You're trying to get over that next objective. Whether it's it's an immediate objective or or a lifelong objective, God says, like, there's a path. And I think it's really interesting that Ranger School teaches you that right um, at the beginning. So, to succeed in the next stage, you do have to stay the course. Knowing where you are, finding the path, and reaching your destination are skills that you can practice in this stage of life and in the next stage. Let me tell you about my toothache, though. Here's the thing, we know what our path is, but things come into our lives that are so loud, right? They're so painful that we lose sight of the path. We even stop caring about making progress along that path because we're like, no, really, I have this terrible thing that's going on in my life right now. For me, I have this terrible toothache that has been going on it's so loud in my head but i know for some of you in your life being here today is a loud toothache it is painful as painful as it is for me to talk with this toothache it is as painful for you to talk to people who are in this school who have hurt your feelings maybe you are mad at god you sit through bible class and you think really 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 Do you know what God has allowed in my life? There there are pains that are so loud in our heads, and, and we know kind of better, right? But our thoughts are quiet, they're whispery, and our pain shouts. I think that we all have the ability to change our minds about our pain. And I think that because God gives us so many commands that are so helpful to us for overcoming pain in our lives. I think about the way our culture tells us, nope, if you're in pain, you just got to embrace it. If you've got troubles, you need to just um, like lean into those troubles. You should just accept things. You shouldn't go out and fix them. When you look in your heart and see things that you don't like, you should, uh, instead of attempting to fix those things, you should embrace those flaws. You should even celebrate them. Our culture says some things that are just not true about change and about pain in our lives. But when we look at God's word, I mean, these were just like some random things that came to mind. I thought about like what promises of God require me to change my thinking about things. These are just a few of them, and aren't these fantastic? Don't worry. Set your mind on things above. I have a plan for you. All things are possible through him who strengthens me. Like These are great promises. So I am behind enemy lines. I am in pain. Am I going to hold fast to the promises that God has set before me? This toothache has certainly been teaching me over the last two weeks some things and I'll talk to you about how what I've been learning in physical pain but you can think through emotional spiritual mental pain that you are suffering how these things can be true for you as well first of all I have to trust the process I have to believe that what my dentist is telling me to do the medications they're telling me to take are eventually going to help secondly I have to take some pain medicine Unfortunately, it doesn't totally remove the pain, but it does help. Third, I need to distract myself from it. I was wondering what I wrote up there. Um, uh, Helping others, I thought, was very distracting. On Friday, when we went to service day, I was like, actually, I really haven't thought too much about um, my toothache today because it's fun to go help and engage with others. And the last thing is to accept it. It's just going to hurt, and I know what the treatment is for this kind of pain that I'm going to face later this week, and honestly, the treatment is going to be worse than the pain for a short period of time, and then it'll start to heal, and the pain will get better. So these are some of the things that I've learned from my toothache pain that might be relevant to you as you stay on the path right? As you work through your land navigation through your life, first of all, to trust the process. Moving, though it is a physical discomfort and pain, though it is hard for me, is painful, but so is mental illness, so are breakups, so is friend drama, all of these things. Sometimes we need to really lean into the process that God has for us. Don't veer from what he tells us. Don't lose sight of um, the, the, the strength that he can give us. Next, take your medicine. When I take that medicine, I take it in my mouth, I swallow it down. You put it into your heart. Third, go help other people. It will help your pain in your heart. And last, life is going to have some pain. Pain is part of the human condition. So for me, as I think through, oops, as I think through um, these seasons of my life, this is what I take away. I can hold fast to this truth that God promises he will be with me. As someone who hates moving, the fact that I don't need to be afraid, I don't need to be discouraged, I can have confidence, it it is a wonderful um, target for me to aim toward in my life. And the same can be true for you guys. I'm going to pray for you very briefly, um, and then I'll give you some directions. Father God, I thank you for each of these students I particularly pray for the seniors who are heading off to college that they would set their mind on the target and that they would trust you to be with you, uh, to be with them wherever they go. I pray for the juniors as they are facing um senior year and making decisions and taking standardized tests, that you would bless and encourage and strengthen them. And for freshmen and sophomores, that you would lead them into a more intimate and close knowledge of you. And for all of us as faculty and staff, as you bring change and pain into our lives, that we would set our minds on things above and hit the target that you have set before us. In your heavenly name, amen.
0: Thank you for listening in on our Encounter podcast. You can find previous Encounter recordings and who will be coming in future weeks on our Southwest Christian High School webpage, www.swchs.org. Click on Student Life and Encounter. Again, thank you for joining us, and until next time, keep your eyes fixed, not on speakers, teachers, or institutions, but on Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith.